Hello, this is an audio version of a lockdown special live video stream, which you can still find on British Canoeing's YouTube and Facebook channels. Today, Etienne Stott chats with Sal Montgomery and Brent Orton. All right then, well, everybody, welcome to Paddlecast. This is the first of a series of shows brought to you by British Canoeing. Hope they're going to be really fun and cool, bit of inspiration and probably some fun things to think about during this crazy time. We've got some great guests coming up um over the next few weeks we're going to talk a little bit about that later in the show but for now i'm really excited because we've got two cool guests with us tonight to kick things off with two cool people these guys are really pushing the limits of our sport all across the globe they're taking paddle sport to new places to new locations and really pushing what is possible in a boat so i'm really excited to be joined by sal montgomery who's hello somewhere here in nottingham <laughs> I don't know quite where, and Bren Orton <laughs> over there in Warrington. So thanks for coming on, guys. It seems particularly tricky to get hold of people, despite the fact that they're locked in their houses at the minute. So <laughs> I think it's really cool to spend the time to, to come in tonight. So um, I'm going to introduce Sal first. So Sal actually started paddling in the Scouts, like me, which is cool. We love Scouts. <laughs> and Sal is a physio trained physio but at the moment she's working for the nhs which is really nice as well i think great credit to you for that sally so sal started off in the gb freestyle team and she did it until the age of 25 but then she started uh, going to in, into expedition she did her first expedition to nepal after one of the people who was supposed to go dropped out and after that, she's paddled all over the world, Russia and Asia, South America, New Zealand, Europe and Canada. And I actually heard, Sal, you've got a nice cheeky little video of one of your adventures in Chile. And I figure we could have a quick one <laughs> to see what you've been up to. Yeah, sounds good. <laughs> so some of these rivers look real sweet. Yeah, and Chile is an awesome place for it. This is actually from my first trip to Chile. Um, so I was um, kind of learning the ways, uh, working out what rivers to go to, at what levels and things. Um, and to be honest, there's just so much over there. Like, I can't even describe how much there is over there and uh, how varied it all is. So it definitely what was that hanging on to your paddle just then? Was that, uh, a, that was a, humming, a hummingbird. Um, and this is the Rio Claro, which is like one of the most special rivers over there. Yeah. Probably one of the highlights from my trip, actually. Is that kind of odd because it's the, like these sort of narrow little shoots and stuff? Yeah, and it's just basically a clean waterfall after clean waterfall. So flat pool into a drop, into another flat pool. Uh, and one section in particular has 22 clean waterfalls in a row. Uh, oh, wow. So pretty spectacular. So you just hop off all of those 22 one at a time? and Yeah, yeah. They're all slightly different. Some are a bit harder than others and things. Um, but generally, they're all super clean and really fun. Um, and you can just lap it all day long. It's awesome. And what's the story with those horses? Are they kind of roaming around wild in Chile as well? Yeah, so that was actually in Argentina because um, this particular oh. year there had been a landslide across the main road uh, that would take you from kind of northern Chile down to Futalifu. Uh, so we made the most of that situation and road trips through Argentina to get down to Futalifu. Um, and yeah, the, the, the scenery was just spectacular. And as you could see, wild horses running around and the mountains and we actually caught a couple of cool rivers along the way as well which uh just made it uh, even cooler trip really oh yeah man it just looks uh just love yeah all those sliding along and jumping off things and just looks yeah. awesome. <laughs> 
there's a bit of everything over there. You've got waterfalls, you've got steep creeks, and then you've got big volume. You've got Fruit of Fou, Baker. Uh, so just a bit of everything, really. Um, mm. But loads of world-class kayaking. And mud. Yeah. Oh, my word. Turn it off, Mark. Turn it off. We can't be having no spiders. (laughs) We don't want to scare people. (laughs) So, yeah, and it's like, so one of the cool things I think that's happened relatively recently is that you were with Stephen Backshaw, the legend Steve Backshaw in Bhutan to explore the uncharted rivers around there. And um, Mm. I guess you've also got really cool uh, kind of history with him. I, I think you've done quite a few things with him. Is that right? Um, we've started doing more and more recently. Uh, unfortunately, our training uh, kind of got put on hold a little bit with the lockdown. Um, but yeah, Bhutan was our first uh, kind of adventure together. Uh, and that was checking out the Chamkarchur River, which was actually the last unrun river in Bhutan. Uh, so quite a big adventure, as you can imagine. Um, and yeah, uh, in a beautiful place, some really good white water. Um, and then from then on, it's kind of just got the site going for more um and some future plans so yeah watch this face <laughs> yeah man well steve backshaw absolutely love the guy i think he's an absolute gem yeah, absolutely cool with him and like i guess it's uh yeah super super nice yeah. so i'm gonna introduce now brent because i guess uh brent is one of these people if you've been around the canoeing scene you'll have seen him around as well he lives in warrington where he gets around quite a lot he's uh started paddling um really early on on a trip into the Lake District I've got here. And uh, I guess from there, man, you've gone on to do some of the most, um, I say ridiculous in the kind of friendliest and, and most generous <laughs> route, sense of the word, some of the craziest stuff I've seen on a river before. You know, you've kind of combined big river paddling and freestyle stuff together. And I guess that kind of comes from your your background in those, well, I guess you started, did you start more in freestyle? May I... I started same as I think a lot of people will, you know, you start out on the lake when you go to whitewater and then people are trying to get you to try certain disciplines. And um, I remember I tried slalom and I, I remember I quite enjoyed it until I saw someone go vertical for the first time. And I was like, that, that is what I want to do. Yeah. And then I was like, I don't care about going fast. I just want to be vertical. And then from mm-hmm. that, I got into freestyle and then, um, from going to all the freestyle events, normally there's like off days in between. So you could either stay and rest with a freestyle comp or you could go out and you can go creaking and river running in between. So I ended up doing that in America. And and I remember my first time in, in a creek boat, I just fell in love with it. I was like, this is magic. And so like, I, th- I guess, you know, it seems to me, you know, some of the things you've done, I guess, can we have a watch of your like show reel as well? We may as well get that. Yeah, mate, of course. It seems to be quite, uh, you know, some quite remarkable stuff that you've done in terms of combining you know, doing freestyle stuff that in, in some, some, some incredible places. And I, I guess that's, do you consider yourself to be kind of an innovator in this area? Yeah. I mean, it's hard, you know, cause you know, there's been so many good kayakers from all sorts of generations and, um, but yeah, like the, the new school side of things, we're calling it free ride, you know, and it's sort of yeah. like, you know, it's, it's, it's doing tricks and stuff down rivers that people would normally be in creek boats and, and would be gripped in, you know, and, um, yeah. I'm really enjoying it, mate. I think, I think that's my favorite type of kayaking at the moment is using one kayak to sort of do it all and to, and to just blend all the different styles and types of kayaking together. Yeah. 
I mean, just watching this video here just looks like, uh, it looks like wicked fun, but slightly terrifying. I mean, that's cool. I need to, <laughs> kickflip is one of my sort of uh, skills I need to sort of develop at some point. I'm really like, oh man, I need to learn how to do that. I, I've had a few moments, a few flirtations with it, but I've, you've obviously got it pretty locked down. Yeah, dude, I've, I've been loving seeing you get in a freestyle kayak. <laughs> it's been cool to see, really cool uh, to see, mate, when I go long, down the man. park. It's too long since I've been on my, in my freestyle kayak, for sure it is. And tell me, I saw this clip earlier, man, going down. I just love going down that pipe. That must have been wicked. It's fun to do. I just think that's super cool. <laughs> yeah, dude, the, the tunnel drop in Norway is pretty wild. It's it's one of those, it's really, it's it's like a really unique piece of white water. And it's 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 pretty chill. It doesn't take that much skill. You just want to keep the kayak underneath you and ride over all those bumps. But mm. if you do flip, it's pretty mean. Oh, yeah. So it's definitely a sort of don't mess it up sort of thing. Yeah, I mean, you'd be all right, but you definitely bump your head. Yeah, man. So I'm just looking at it. I'm I'm terrible. When I see moving images, I have to stop speaking. Otherwise, I kind of yeah. uh, distract. You're all good, mate. So. You're all good. No, and so, like, I think this uh, it's really cool just to have both of you in the same room together because I guess, you know, you're both paddling at a real high level and just seeing, you know, the, the paddling that you're doing has kind of brought a smile to my face and thinking, oh, you know, this is wicked. And I just wonder, Sal, you know, how, how's it been for you during this lockdown? I guess you've been working quite a bit. Has uh, that kind of distracted yeah. you from, from paddling a bit? or? Well, it's been a, a, diff- a definitely a big change of plan. Um, I'm actually meant to be in Nepal right now. Um, mm. And then when I got back, I was pretty much straight onto another trip uh, and kind of a busy summer. Uh, but obviously all of that kind of got cancelled overnight. Um, and I headed back to Nottingham uh, to go back to help in the NHS like I used to do before. Um, so it was all a very different uh, kind of lifestyle to what I'd expected for this time of year. Um, but just kind of make the most of it, really, like training uh, before and after work, ready for when we can get back on the water again. So when you say training, what what, what do you mean? Um, in the mornings before work, uh, I'm actually I'm getting up at 4.45. Uh, yeah, uh, to fit in a run. Uh, and then at work, uh, we've been doing some little workouts at work, but uh, they're pretty short. And then afterwards, um, doing more like a strength and conditioning kind of um, like exercise routine. No way. So what, what sort of work, just because I naturally want to know, what sort of work mm. are you doing at the moment in the HS? Is it? Is it- um, well, I, I, um, I don't do a huge amount of respiratory physio. I haven't done for quite a long time. Uh, obviously, with all my traveling and things, um, it's something that I've kind of not prioritized. So I am seeing a lot of orthopedic patients. So people that have perhaps had to, like, at the moment, we've had a lot of kind of elderly people falling over and breaking hips and stuff. So I've been mm-hmm. kind of helping them, helping to get them back on their feet, at uh, their feet, um, which in turn frees up some of the other physios that are more specialized in respiratory so they can go and help with the the more um, sick patients, basically. Uh, Obviously, there's quite a high demand uh, for physios in ITU at the moment. So the more physios we can free up on the ward to send up to ITU, the better, really. Well, I don't think anyone will be disagreeing with me if I say thank you very much because I guess oh, we know that we know that there's a massive team effort going on out there, and I suppose this yeah. crisis has kind of shown what you know what's important and and how how much we rely on each other. And actually, like you're saying, how even in the physio, you'd say what does a physio do in COVID nineteen? But actually, mm-hmm. you're really helping there. So yeah, that's super super cool. Oh, thank you. <laughs> 
And so has it been difficult to train? Have you found it like sort of, um, um, hard, you know, meant, has, it been, has it been therapeutic? Or yeah, I think it's actually been um, pretty essential. Um, work is different, like working at the hospital is different to usual at the moment, obviously. Mm. Um, I'd say people are, are dealing with it quite well, but obviously um as expected people are scared they're kind of they're stressed they're working hard they're maybe working loads of extra hours um so it's it's actually um, really nice to kind of release all of that and just kind of switch off from it all um and exercise just take your mind off it all um but also knowing that you're using this time so obviously at, like a lot of kayakers right now um i was pretty disappointed when kind of plans got cancelled and things um uh, but it kind of makes me feel better knowing that at least in this time I can be working towards some other goals ready for when we can get out and mm. um, kind of take up some of these adventures kind of in the future um, and obviously I was very just dis- like disappointed to start with but then working at the hospital kind of like puts things in perspective and you realize actually like there's a lot worse things going off right now so um yeah. Yeah, and Brent and Brent, what was it like for you, mate, when you kind of realised that this wasn't going to work this year, just wasn't going to work out the way that that you were you were hoping it to? I mean, same as everyone else, mate. It's frustrating, but I mean, it it is what it is, unfortunately. But um, but yeah, it was just a mess, mate. Because like one of my big things has been we used to do things a few years ago a bit more off the cuff, you know, like plans would just sort of happen. And with all that, you'd always be dealing with stuff last minute and, and you sort of have to with, with this side of the sport because you're always chasing the best water levels. Oh, um, yeah. For the last like 18 months, we've been trying to get more organized. We're trying to line up bigger film projects and all of that stuff. And and so I had like a bunch of things in the pipe works for the next six months at least. And then, um, yeah, since it's been canceled, it's just been dealing with all the all the rubbish side of that. Like I call it adulting. You know, <laughs> like you know it's, it, yeah, it's the side of life that I hate, you know, like cancel plans, like postpone plans, cut budgets, you know, like got to get your money back for your flights and all that stuff. But I mean, as, as, as rubbish as it is, I would say that most, I feel like most of the world are handling it pretty well. You know, like I'm, I'm genuinely, I'm, I'm really, really impressed, especially in England with the outlook of it from you know, 99% of people of like, this is, this is not, this is not the ideal situation for me, but I'm going to do it to help out other people. I think that's a really nice, a really nice thing to see. Yeah. It certainly seems to have like, I don't know. I think that uh, I guess people have seen a different feeling, you know, and a different connection with each other and, you know, just even doing things like this is quite different. You know, so I, I've known both of you for quite a while, actually, and this is one of the probably longest chats we'll get to have. And, and so it's lovely. There's there's opportunities in this really kind of difficult time. And I suppose, Bryn, I was thinking to, you know, do you do you have a training program? I can't see you getting up at 4.45 for a run. Oh, but I may have really miss, 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 uh, sold you. I don't know, mate. what's the story? Tell me. Not Correct. normally, mate. I mean, I mean, the stereotype is always like, you know, like lazy freestyle person or whatever you know like coming from i wouldn't say that from no, a, man, i wouldn't say that i was just okay. saying 45 in the morning that is some different that's a different thing nah man i'm i'm more like 442 you're right no i mean i'll get i'll get up early if i have to i normally get up at like half seven eight but i'll get up early if i have to and um yeah i mean normally my normal routine is get up 
smash out some editing on my computer and then go kayaking and then come home and train, do some more editing and then go to bed. And uh, that's basically my routine now, just without the kayaking. So as soon as I get done, editing. Up, they edit, <laughs> editing, editing. Yeah, editing. And then I go hang the gymnastic rings off and do. I know I've been training like six times a week, although I felt rubbish the last two days, so I haven't been. But I've been doing like push, pull, legs, and then normally a rest day and then push, pull, legs again. And then. Um, been trying to go running more which is something i hate doing i hate long distance <laughs> running but i've been making myself do it it's all right i hate running if you're a kayak or a canoeist i think it's just it's not quite right i like running yeah uh, i think when you're when you're uh just don't I, i've i've got into running a bit more since i retired i think just because it's just having to lug less all my muscles around <laughs> i left them behind when i retired and now i can go running so Brenda, you take that sort of strengthening quite seriously. I mean, some of the stuff you're running, you know, you're going to get an absolute kick in. You've got to be well put together for that, right? And that is that a sort of the strength side of it? Is it for performance or is it for kind of resilience and toughness? Sort of? Mate, so, sort of, sort of for it all, you know, like I want to be, you know, on one side of things, I want to be as explosive and powerful as I can be, you know, like a gymnast or something, or mm. you know, even a slalom racer, you know, just like when I, when I take a stroke and I do a movement in my kayak, I just want it to be like really powerful. And, um, and then, yeah, you know, like taking the impacts off big waterfalls, you look at the lads that take hits like in rugby or American football, and they're all big, strong lads, you know? Mm. So that side of things, I'm trying to put on a bit of mass to hold me together. And then <laughs> the, the other side of things is just safety, you know, like, when I started running harder white water, the crew I was with, they pulled me out of a couple of situations and got me safely off the water just by being strong, athletic people that move quickly. Oh, I see. Okay, yeah. There's one video I remember watching you, and it looked like you were going to oh, kind mate. of go off that sort of thing. And oh, mate. Kind of pulled you out, and I remember watching that, thinking that was really, really horrible. And and it's interesting that you make that link. I would never have kind of seen that sort of athleticism as being a sort of safety kind of uh, issue. Yeah, mate. I mean, that that save that Dave Facilli pulled off. You know, I was for, pe- for people that haven't seen it. I was I was seventeen or eighteen years old, and I, we were running this this waterfall on the on the Olympic Peninsula called Hammer Hammer, and it's a twenty foot waterfall to a sixty foot waterfall, and there's a cave on the left in between the two, and I messed up the first twenty footer and got pushed into the cave, and uh, panicked, had never been pushed up against the wall and not been able to roll and all of that stuff, and I swam. And I got like sucked into this cave and my legs are like on the other side of the cave and I'm like oh. almost about to get swept over the falls. And Dave manages to like climb out of his kayak, balance on this like this rock ledge, this tiny slippery rock ledge, throw his throw rope like 30 feet across the river and reel me in before I went off the lip. And uh, I genuinely like a like a less athletic person, I don't think they could have done it. Nice. It was interesting to see Sally's face. I think it was the same as mine. I, was... <laughs> I just hate the sound of the <laughs> That emoji. <laughs> wow, no, I mean, and, and it's interesting because, you know, as a, as, a, as a former slalom paddler, I never really did, you know, very dangerous stuff, you know, and it's some of this stuff just watching it kind of makes my makes my makes me feel a bit cold and, and sweaty. So credit to credit to both of you. <laughs> And so I was kind of thinking as well, it'd be interesting, you know, because I guess right now people are are thinking to themselves, you know, the days are kind of getting weird, right? You know, people are, you know, like you say, Brenny, just editing, doing some stuff and then editing some more and 
people on their computers all day or Sal's doing a work and then coming and running, you know, kind of days are kind of the, the, the routine. But are you kind of, do you find yourself daydreaming about, you know, paddling going forward or paddling going back? And where does your mind take you? Oh, mate, I'm, I'm always plotting the next thing. So, oh, yes, yeah. yeah, same, same old situation as always, you know, like I'm always looking up rivers I want to go down, waterfalls I want to drop, and then video projects I want to make happen. So it's been nice to have the time of that. But I think I think it's funny how it, like, sort of comes in waves, you know, like a couple of days a week, I'm like, yeah, all this time I'll get all this done, and, you know, I'm quite productive. And then and then that feeling goes, you know, and then I'm just like, oh, I can't wait to get back on the water. Yeah. <laughs> what about you, Sal? Do you do a bit of daydreaming? Is that kind of good medicine yeah. for you? Yeah, I don't know about you, Bren, but like maybe it's more so with like the endurance training and things. Like I use um like my motivation for training is kayaking. Uh like Bren said, there's loads of reasons you do off the water training for your kayaking, but for most of us that's the reason we're doing it. Uh so I kind of fantasize about future paddling a lot. Um and that helps me to kind of push harder with my training because it's got like a purpose to it um but yeah I've definitely um been putting some thought into where's next when we might eventually kind of get out of these restrictions and we're able to travel again and things and kind of weighing up options and possibilities but it's yeah it's kind of hard because obviously we don't know exactly uh, what's going to happen and when but um, I think if you can start to at least loosely plan in your head where you might go at this point in the year then it's awesome to have things to look forward to and things to start planning and putting the research into and um, yeah just kind of getting the drive going again and you having like conversations with people you like chatting on Facebook or whatever speaking to people going oh you know what about this what about that or is it kind of because it's sometimes it's a bit cruel to you know to kind of just yeah. dream and not actually do anything about it you know? <laughs> um a, a bit of a mixture I would say I do a lot of um I can be a bit antisocial sometimes um and I do quite a bit of planning uh, myself um I like to kind of research and look into things and get maybe a little bit obsessed with stuff um and then perhaps start to kind of share the idea with a few friends uh, but then there's equally some like joint projects um that we did have in the pipeline which obviously now we're unsure whether we'll be able to reschedule or have to cancel altogether but uh, we're like frequently in talks about those and just kind of waiting to see what happens um, and then kind of plan as able when we get a bit more information. But yeah, the the trips are always on the mind and always kind of what we're working towards. So you've been I mean, planning from kids. Oh, go on, go on, go on, Brent. No, sorry, mate. I mean, one, one thing I was going to say, mate, is like it's the same for you, right? When you were racing in the Olympics, all the visualisation. You know, like that's so important and it works. And uh, I think for myself as a kid, I was always just daydreaming. You know, it didn't matter what I was doing, but my mind would just naturally wander to going kayaking with my friends. And it still does that. I'm just trying to be a bit more specific of where it wanders to. But I, I genuinely, I think that, I think that that stuff is so, so useful. That like, even if you can't go kayaking, just, just daydreaming about it, visualizing, whatever you want to call it, just thinking about it, I think help so much when you do get to go back in the kayak just just something i've done when i've been injured and off the water before i think there's a massive difference between sitting on the couch and not thinking about kayaking to sitting on the couch and thinking about kayaking i think it helps so much yeah it can feel like a kind of productive thing i guess there's no kind of painful 
painful thinking about things and is actually thinking about things kind of proactively when you think actually and it's interesting to hear you say that because I guess one of the things I admire about I guess freestyle especially um and I suppose what you're you're doing on the on the free ride stuff is a kind of creative side you know and thinking about oh what could I do and and, and I suppose that's where daydreaming is really you know interesting and, and have you come up with anything cool that we should be keeping our eye out for? <laughs> Yeah, there's a there's a couple there's a couple there's a lot of stuff I want to try. The next couple of video projects I get to do, if I manage to get out to the places I want to do them, I and mean, I think will be quite special. So I'm I'm excited, mate. So do you come out from a sort of video project style? Do you kind of have a you know do you have a quite strong images about what you want to do or what you want to see, and then you kind of come back to it and figure out where you can do those things, or is it a totally chicken and egg like you know, like, I don't know, like a, a band figuring out a new tune or something? It's got to be kind of a, you know, round, 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 around. Yeah, I, I mean, it, it comes through all places, through all sorts of stuff. You know, like sometimes I'll see like a waterfall or a rapid, and I'll be like, ooh, you know, like you could do that, and then you could do that, and then you could do that, or I'll see. I'll see a movement in another sport and be like, oh, you know, like that, okay. that's how that works. You know, maybe I'll, maybe I'll try and take that to my kayaking or I'll watch another kayaker do something. I'll be like, oh. <laughs> mm. And what sports do you do out of interest? What sports do you kind of watch that you can kind of draw that, that, that inspiration from? Because that's really fascinating. Because I think that's the sort of movement, isn't it? How you use your body and how you, you, you kind of interpret the, the energy that's in the water, I guess. So, Totally, mate. I think for myself, the sports I enjoy most watching, just just for the rotations, are BMX and surfing. Like the new, the new school side of surfing, what they're doing with the aerial tricks off the lip, it's stunning. It's so so impressive, and it's cool because you you can see how they engage the rail and carve up carve up the wave, and uh, and the BMX stuff. It's just mind blowing to watch how they just they don't even with with a lot of things. It's so important to spot your landing, but if you look at what I mean, he's not a BMXer, he's, he rides a mountain bike. But if you look what Nikolai Rogatkin is doing, he's rotating so fast. There's no way you can see his landing. Mm. You know, he's just, <laughs> he's, just go, he's just going off the lip, hooking as hard as he can, waiting until he counts three spins in the air, and then slowing down to the fourth one to land it. It's, it's some of the craziest stuff I've ever seen. I know a lot of my uh, my more recent kind of trips has been that I've gone somewhere that I've perhaps wanted to go for a while. I've been doing some research and then finally kind of got everything in place and I've gone. Uh, and then once I'm there, you kind of you meet other people, you talk to people about their experiences in other countries and with rivers or uh, you chat about like, oh, I've seen this river um, or I've seen this um at the section that's not been done before and you just kind of between you get excited about uh, different kind of ideas and plans and then you kind of just go off in a direction um of starting to put like research and plans together and things um but yeah it definitely varies um I tend to without kind of trying I tend to leave a trip already thinking about the next place that I want to go um and already like looking into it and things so it kind of just naturally flows without really trying mm. uh there's just always like loads of excitement and psych going on for lots of new places people are being like way more adventurous and exploring and people are kind of chasing a bit more which is cool um and you can't help but kind of get excited about that and get drawn into it too and so I, I don't know i guess you probably can't say too much but you said something earlier on about like I got the impression you were kind of doing training with Steve Backshaw. You know, you, are you working together, sort of like developing the skills together and stuff like that? Uh, yeah. Um, 
I don't think Steve would mind me saying um, that he has uh, recently had um, some shoulder surgery. Um, mm. He's recovering from that and he's doing really well. Um, so he um, got the go-ahead for getting back into kayaking again. So we kind of put together a bit of a training regime uh, to build him up uh, and then start um, kind of working on uh, more advanced skills and more like river experience, rescue skills and stuff. Um, ready for kind of future expeditions. Um, I say things have been put on hold, but hopefully they can recommence and um, kind of we can start working towards those goals again. Yeah, yeah I mean that's the thing, you know, injuries. I, I was going to ask you about that because I heard you know Bren talk about injuries, and mm-hmm. and I guess Sal, have you have you had many injuries from paddling as well? Um, I've had a few shoulder injuries, um, in particular. Um, probably be a year before last now um I was trying to do an ear dip on a waterfall messed it up and tore through two rotator cuff muscles and the labrum or the cartilage of my shoulder uh, so mm. I needed quite expensive surgery um oh, but like friends, yeah <laughs> I also carried on paddling with it for a month on the footer whilst it was like hanging off so that oh. probably, probably didn't do it too much good but uh, but it's the future so <laughs> did you feel uh, like you didn't have a choice did you were like well this isn't ideal but yeah, I, 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 most people have heard of the future because it is just like a paddler's paradise um and you kind of can't go there and not paddle um and I had a month set aside to paddle there um mm. so yeah probably kind of irresponsibly but I don't regret it just took painkillers and carried on paddling well uh, i guess you might argue as a if it's already messed up and totally damaged you know, yeah. if, you've not got, if you're if you're <laughs> you know, if, if it's torn if it's already torn then i guess sometimes yeah. if it's actually functional you can't do anything about it until you've got surgery eh? and i guess yeah. you're not going to get it in chile are you so yeah. and to be science honest, yeah <laughs> well to be honest when i came back to the uk and had the scans done and they told me the the extent of the damage I, I did say to the surgeon, because obviously you, things don't always happen straight away, so they'd said like I'd have to wait a little while for the surgery. Uh, and I kind of said, can I cause any more damage? And he was like, no, the damage yeah. is pretty much done. So I, I carried on paddling right up until the surgery. I was still doing freestyle and stuff. Mm. Uh, That's so- kind of the angle that I was thinking about, because, you know, what, yeah, the, 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 the structures have been damaged. You can't do anything until they've yeah. been stuck back down. So. Yeah, it felt a bit unstable, but um, yeah, I was perhaps just a bit more careful than usual. Um, But like Bren was saying earlier, like having that drive and the purpose for your training uh, is really good. Um, Because after the surgery, it would have been quite easy, I think, to kind of feel sorry for myself and feel like super far away from where I had been previously or where I wanted to be with my paddling. Um, But because I had an expedition coming up, um, and a really tight time frame of being ready for it. It just gave me um, like really structured um, focus, right? Yeah, and I was comp- that was everything. Those few weeks, nothing else mattered. It was just about training and being ready in time to get on that plane. Um, and that was really good for me, I think, because I didn't re- I didn't even really have time to feel sorry for myself because. I had a job to do and not much time to do it. So I think that, I think it's pretty healthy uh, to have like lots well, of I guess, focus goals and 
something to work towards and just and like the system thing too like yeah. and as you're a physio you're kind of well positioned to you know one of the things about being injured i guess is that you have an uncertainty and you don't really know what you're doing and then i guess you can kind of um have a little bit of help because you know about yeah. it. you can make yourself feel a little bit better because you have a little bit better understanding of the processes involved yeah unless you know like sometimes you can Pretty know much. Yeah. Know I always appreciate the, the healthcare professionals, you know, doctors, nurses, physios, whatever, when, when they, when they understand like how, how athletes are, you know, and they're like, in an ideal world, you would do nothing for six weeks. However, you could, <laughs> you could get back in a kayak after three weeks and you'd probably be okay. Yeah. But you want to give it at least two weeks. <laughs> I, I really appreciate that you know, yeah. you know where you stand I had the best physio as well because he'd be like okay so you should probably start like uh doing gentle movement uh, at this point and then at this point maybe you could start lifting things the weight of a tin of beans la 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 um and then knowing like knowing me and what I'm kind of interested in he's like okay maybe at this point you could start doing waterfalls but let's see how we go <laughs> like he just understood and uh, he can't. He still thought it was a bit mental, but he he kind of knew what I was aiming for, rather than what maybe someone like the general public would be aiming for. So that was. And what about good. you, Brent? Tell me about your. Well, go on. Just give give us one example of an injury that you've had to deal with. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely, I had a string of them last year where I think I was just not. Number one, I was not sleeping enough because I was too busy. But um, I think I was just I was just not fully recovering from an injury and then I try and get back to like top level stuff but I'd be semi-injured and I just get hurt again in another place I had like a few back-to-back ones and um, the worst one I've ever had was a fractured skull and a brain bleed and that was uh that was two years ago but yeah that was heavy um that was that was crazy though because in my head because I was so confused from a concussion and the brain injury in my head I was fine like I felt a little bit a little bit sore and stiff as you do after waterfalls, but I felt fine. I couldn't understand what all the fuss was about and I couldn't understand why my friends wouldn't let me go kayaking with them. And uh, eventually they made me look in a mirror and my, you know, like my nose was on the other side of my face, like all this was split open. And then, you know, I had all the x-rays and eventually it clicked how serious it was, but I just, I didn't know fully who I was or what had happened or anything for a, a good few weeks all I know is all I knew is that I really really wanted to go kayaking <laughs> <laughs> that was that was can, the worst injury <laughs> I think we can all identify with that man at the minute I feel it's just uh, it's so you know there's going to be people all around the world you know doing all sorts of things that they you know wouldn't normally be doing and thinking oh when am I going to get back out on the water and when am I going to get to do some of this stuff it's it's uh it is it's difficult but I guess it's really interesting because there's a sense of perspective that I think people are really getting hold of and it's kind of like it's, it's really it's really really such an interesting time and I guess it's uh for me it's interesting just to get a chance to chat to you and and, and speak about things and I just wondered um basically when you're going to go out on your next your next trip and you kind of, what is the first thing that goes into your bag that's not a piece of canoeing kit or, you know, something to do with paddling equipment? What's the sort of thing that you want to be out with you that is kind of like, you know, that makes you feel good about being away? That's a tricky question. Have you anyone got something? 
it's not something that reminds you of home or something or what your non non essential thing that you would take away with you. Yeah, that's, I mean that's tricky. I think I mean like luxury item wise, my number one pick is is a Kindle. Um, you know, so I can read books while I'm away. And my second pick is a good set of headphones. But I I class those as essentials. You know, like I'm, I can imagine traveling without them. First world, yeah, good on. Yeah, mate, totally. What about you, Sally? Um, I would agree with the Kindle. I read a lot, especially when traveling. Uh, it also helps me sleep because, uh, like, you can probably relate with Bren. Like, we're always changing time zones. Um, which can mess your sleep up a bit, whereas reading for me like helps to knock me out no matter what time it is. Um, but I would say the first thing that came to my mind, uh, and a lot of my friends will uh, probably agree with me here, that as soon as I'm away, um, I am straight into kind of uh, my life shorts, so the Jewstone shorts, uh, particularly the ice cream ones, so the bright yellow and pink ones. And I just live in them basically until I leave um and that's become kind of my signature um kind of item i guess that i'm just living in for the whole trip they get pretty pretty kind of abused by the yeah <laughs> <laughs> but that's kind of what i associate like yeah i'm way packing the life shorts are on <laughs> nice. yeah probably say most people with kind of flip-flops and bodies like it's like you're away you're abroad it's warm and you're just going kayaking every day well, it's funny thinking about shorts because apparently, like loads of people, there's been a, a massive rise in the number of people wearing like leisure leisure bottoms, tracky bottoms, and stuff around. Oh, the house. And I'm trying. I confess to being wearing some right now, so it's a bit like those shorts. <laughs> Prime time. Honestly, like it, it is sort of like well, it's like it's like being a little kid again. You know, like around Christmas time, you're <laughs> just like in your pajamas for a few days. You know, like. The only person, the only person I see from the outside world at the moment is occasionally the postman. Oh. <laughs> That's it, really. Yeah, a couple of people want to go out training, but not not that many people. Oh. Well, I'm all the more grateful for you guys having been here tonight with me uh, for sharing this time together and and, and sharing this your experiences uh, with the people who are watching. I think it's really really good, and I'm really glad. Thank you for everybody coming to watch this uh, first episode of the Paddlecast. I want to say thank you to Sal and Bren for being awesome. Um, I think we had to stop the discussion before we ended up di diverting into what we're wearing for the next few weeks. While we're, uh, it's it's about, supposed to be about canoeing, right? Um, but thank you for, for being here. Thanks for listening. Stay safe. Hang in there. Just hopefully not too much longer. And uh, see you again soon. Thanks, guys. Yeah, mate. Cheers, dude. <laughs> and that's it for this episode. Thanks so much for listening. See you later.